Oh my God, I'm chilling. What happened? Oh my God. Oh, I just can't. What? Oh my God, we're back. We're back, baby. Oh my, so excited. This is a highlight of my day. I know. We haven't recorded in a minute because Rebecca is without child in uterus. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. Um, uh, baby Wiley is out in the world this is the first pod where baby Wiley two is two weeks today and he's out and about. Yeah. He's two weeks today and he's upstairs with my wonderful sister-in-law who's uh, watching him and feeding him for the next two hours. So oh, that's so nice. I know. Thank God. So what does he think so far? He thinks it's a crazy fucked up world. He's like, what did you bring me into? And yeah, it's like, cold out here. He's like, this is a mess. I know. Constantly cold. He's like, I'm going to sleep through this for the most part. He, he has been good about sleeping through the night. I had a good cry this morning. Wow. <laughs> I know. It's just, he has, a, has had a few hiccups during the night where it's like, I'm up all damn night. And so I was like, at least his nine o'clock nap will be epic. And it was terrible. Oh, so you know, cry. He's growing. Him. I know. It's growth. I know. And it's fleeting and blah, blah, blah. I know that. It doesn't make <laughs> yada, it any yada, less. Yada. Right. I'm like, doesn't make those all-nighters any less frustrating. I know. I could tell it was a bad morning when you were not responding to any of my texts. So there's that. All right. Well, but, congrats. Hey, Wiley. Thanks. Shout out to Wiley. I said this was the highlight of my day. No, seeing his cute old face is. But God, this is a good outlet. Damn. Missed it. Yeah. We haven't been recording. Well, we recorded all the Natalie episodes early. So this is in the August. first time in a, yeah, in, in a couple weeks. So here we are. Thanks for joining. I'm Rachel. That was Rebecca, um, the one who just had the baby. If this is your first, if you're a first timer, mm -hmm. nice to meet you. Thanks nice for coming. Nice to meet you. Thanks for joining. Love you forever. We won't small talk too long, but again, this has been weeks. So like, I do feel that I need to tell y'all that Rachel's son, Charlie, sees dead people. Okay. <laughs> he is Haley Joel Osment. I know. I actually thought that the other night. I, I busted into my story that I'm telling today. This is Rachel. And I see at the top, Rebecca went in there and added a bullet. Charlie saw a ghost. Uh -huh. So here we are. Okay. So quick story. I got back from Ireland on Saturday. Saturday night, I put the kids to bed. It was late. I was so excited to jump in the shower and then get to bed. And I started smelling smoke downstairs. My mother-in-law was with me. Like potent, very potent. So I called the fire department. They checked it out. It's an electrical problem. It's fixed now. But so we had to go stay at my in-laws for a couple of nights. Now, my in-laws house is a very pretty hundred plus year old mansion. mansion. I mean, it's big. And they're out of town. And they're, yeah, they're out of town. So it actually worked out that I didn't have to get an Airbnb. I got to go stay and I love their house so much. Well, let me just be clear. This is, I went and stayed at my father-in-law's house there yeah they're divorced so my mother-in-law was with me when i smelled the smoke but she left town anyway so i went to stay at the father-in-law's house he and his wife were out of town big old mansion i've always thought it was haunted it, we go back and forth in the family about it but i have we had our bathrooms redone and i have stayed there by myself when i was pregnant and i was not scared at all no, nothing happened so oh, i find it so it's a beautiful house i wanted to get have my wedding there but it is there is something spooky for sure 
and wow. it's an old ass neighborhood it's like up on a hill yeah it's like, you know it's charlie agrees with the spook because so i was cooking dinner um sunday night and there are two sets of stairs in the house one's in the kitchen one's like the main ones in the foyer so i went up the kitchen stairs to figure out where to put carolyn's pack and play came back down the main stairs and charlie was standing there and was like i just saw a man and I was like, excuse me? I was already stressed about the electrical issue. And like, I was jet lagged and tired. I was like, what are you talking about? He was like, a man came down the stairs in the kitchen with long hair. And I was like, no, I just went up the stairs in the kitchen. He was like, no, you went up the stairs. A man came down the stairs. And I was like, excuse me? And he said, he had hair like Mr. Corbin. I don't know why he calls his uncle Mr. Corbin, but <laughs> that means it's, it's pretty long hair. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I said, and I was like, don't say that. Don't play tricks. And he was like, I'm not, you went up the stairs. He came down the stairs. And I was like, don't say that again. He saw that I was like, getting stressed. I said, stop saying that. So then you're like the parent who stifles their kid when they I was like <laughs> already stressed and on the verge of bury it down deep. Stop saying, Oh my it. God. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, my husband's still in Ireland on his golf trip. So I'm solo. And I was like, I don't have, I can't do this. I'm already stressed. So then I'm in the other room watching TV with my daughter and Charlie's playing in the foyer and comes running in and closes the door to the room and says, Mr. Corbin's there. And oh. I'm not I said, Charlie, don't say that. And he was looking at the door, kind of smiling, like waiting for someone to come in. It would be as if like a, someone was chasing him, like in a fun way. And I was like, I don't want to hear about this. And so then I went to <laughs> finish dinner. <laughs> I didn't hear. You really are like those well, parents are like, it's none of your business to shut up. No. <laughs> once once I got out of the situation, I was nice about it. And I was like, tell me more about this. <laughs> I kept saying, that was me. And he was like, and he's adamant. He's like, no, it wasn't. And so I went back to the kitchen to finish dinner and it started raining. And it could be explained by the wind, but the door, the back door slammed somehow. And I was like, Charlie, because I thought he was going out the back door. And then I, he, no one said anything. And I went back in the room and he's like chilling on the couch watching TV. Like he, it was not him. And I was like, I text Pan and said, I can't do this. I packed up all of our shit. I was yeah. like, I feel more comfortable in the firehouse. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's where we're going. I will breathe fire, in gasoline over a ghost any I was like, damn day. The fire department turned off the electric, electricity they needed to. And they said it was fine. So I'm going back there. I don't give a shit. And so then I asked him about it when I was like calm and I was like, you're not in trouble. Sorry. You were just spooking me. And he was like, don't be spooked mama. Like so sweet. But he wouldn't, he was like, maybe it was just you. And I was like, no, no, I already offered that explanation. Sorry. <laughs> Pass. Next. He just Tell didn't want to leave. He did not. He wanted to turn around. And so his aunt Jess was there the next day and was alone with them for a little bit and recorded them. I was like, tell me about the man you saw. And he said he was wearing black. He, she asked if he was nice and she, he said, I don't know. He didn't speak to me. And she asked, she asked where, where she saw, where he saw him. He also saw him going down the stairs. So his story didn't change. Still wearing a black shirt, still had long hair, like Mr. Corbin. Yeah. I'm like, um, uh, his, his story isn't changing here. He saw something. I believe he, him. Yeah. He said wearing a black shirt. He looked like a worker. She said working on the house. I mean, yeah. he said, sorry. Yeah. So we don't know what the deal is. My, my stepmother-in-law texted me and said she had just saged the house. I, she actually was like, wait, we have a friendly ghost. I was like, well, we didn't stick around long enough to know if he's friendly. We don't know. Yeah. Look here. Left. There's a Rachel size hole out the front door. I'm not staying there. <laughs>
<laughs> she saged the house. Well, do it again, sister. <laughs> so that's the ghost that Charlie saw. And he's, he Yo, doesn't really creepy. He really doesn't like make up stories and he definitely doesn't stick to it like that. Like he wouldn't, I was like, that was me. You saw me. He was like, no, I did not. And now like he'll, he'll say he never talked to him, but he didn't, he didn't know if he was mean or nice. He looked yeah. like a worker. He was wearing black. He had long hair. He looked and like he Mr. doesn't Robin. have imaginary friends. No. Like had he said it in y'all's house, I'd be like, mm, meh, your house was built in the nineties. <laughs> It's probably unlikely haunted, but the fact that he said it in a big old scary mansion, I'm like, mm, there's something there. I know. There. The so. guy who built our house did die mid-build, so I'm just saying. All right. I, I would but. be suspicious if he said it about our house, but I'm not that scared. <laughs> oh, so there's that. <laughs> Stressful search. Stressful search, but... It's okay because our electricity is fixed. We found the problem. You should see this outlet that the electrician found. I cannot believe our house didn't burst into flames. Well, and anyway, anyway so we're going to send little Charlie back to that house for an overnight stay by himself with a <laughs> camera in his hand. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to do a seance. Okay. <laughs> Hope y'all found that interesting. Whatever. Tell me if you believe it. Kids and kids and dogs know stuff. So I'm, I don't know. I'm just saying. Really? I believe it. Carolyn didn't seem anything about it. He wasn't even scared. He was just telling me. And then why would he be? He doesn't know what a ghost is. If I saw a man coming down, I don't know. (laughs) He knows what a stranger is and (laughs) who was and was not invited to stay in that house with us. So that's true. I don't know. I don't know, man. I hope. Anyway. So now we also have some Patreon shout outs. Kimmy, Katrina, Monica, Catherine. Oh, Kath- Catherine. Hey, girl. That's my hey girl. girl. Catherine Murph. Uh, Stacy, Kia or Kaya, RFL, Carrie, Alicia, Tori, Catherine, another Catherine, Tanner, Sally, Tiffany, Corinne, Missy, Kingsley, Carrie, Stephanie, Christy, Shannon, Carolyn, and Wes. Damn. Damn. Wes is one of my best friends. Hey, Wes. He's also an a, unofficial PR person because he tells everyone about the pod. Couldn't appreciate him more. Hey, Wes. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Sp- everyone who spreads the word. Yeah. Everyone who spreads the good word. Thank you so much. And then I have a custom shout out from Carrie from that list to her BFF. I wanted to give you something special. I thought I should give you something, do something for you. Give something nice to you. That's an inside joke. Give had three at four eyes. So I don't know if it's give or give. You let us know. Yeah. No. Do some, okay, so don't <laughs> let us know. That's an inside joke. I'm just kidding. Shout out to Madeline, her husband, Nick, and their fetus, Lana. I can only hope that she grows up to be like her mom, a gal that enjoys true crime, murder stories, a morbid sense of humor, someone that occasionally imagines what it would be like to swerve off a cliff, a beautiful friend who is smart and compassionate, a future wonderful big sister, and that she'll also become the funniest person in any room she walks into. I imagine Nick will be the only baby of the household when it comes to watching scary movies. Even if Lana ends up more like her father, I'll still love her, despite being unable to watch Criminal Minds or thriller and horror movies. In the words of Shamar Moore, I love you, baby girl. Good luck with the birth, Madeline. I love you and Nick and Fetus so much. Fetus. (laughs) Fetus. So much. Fetus. I would be remiss if I didn't include a special shout out to the love of my life, my perfect boy, Wrigley. 
He's the best, smartest, cutest, most well-behaved Bubba, and he recently begrudgingly become an, became an older brother this week to little Johnny Beef. I love you, mister. Oh, my God. Wrigley, I think, is a pet, perhaps a dog. I was about to say, cool name, Wrigley. Yeah, totally. Um, her friend Madeline is, I think her due date is the day this airs, or the day before. Oh, nice. She was like, hopefully this goes out before she fetus gives birth before fetus is born i was like well this one's gonna air and i gave her the date it's september end of september and so i think it was she was like that's the due date so good luck madeline rebecca just did it she said it's not that big of a deal that's not she said the newborn stage is easy because I, is. I don't remember this it's been two and a half years since i did it no it's simple it's a piece of cake as long as you <sighs> love staying up all night to a screaming baby yeah and get that epidural and just sit pretty until oh she comes. God. It's, Don't worry that, about it. That part is easy. That part's a dream. Yeah, the anticipation is far worse than the process itself. That's all I had at the top. Sorry, that was a long intro. But y'all, we have not recorded in a minute. You've got to understand. We've said it. Please try to understand. Okay. Now, this week, I, Rachel Hagan, am telling Rebecca about Bart and Jennifer Corbin. Sources, The Crime Wire, ForensicFilesNow.com, re Reader's, oh my God, Reader's Digest, and Vocal Media. In 1996, 25-year-old Jennifer Barber had just graduated from college and was bartending at a seafood restaurant named Barnacles in Duluth, Georgia. An Atlanta one? Oh, yeah. See, you've always, you always do an Atlanta one. Mm-hmm. Well, and I live here. Well, Atlanta is high crime city. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? All right, keep going. One of her coworkers, Bobby, introduced her to his older brother, 32-year-old Bart Corbin, and the two started dating. Bart was a dentist. He went to the University of Georgia, then dental school at the Medical College of Georgia in Augusta, Georgia. I love stories where we have some connections, you know? Yeah, totally. Seek him out. He was also a twin. His brother's name was Brad, so they were Brad, Bart, and Bobby. Uh -huh. Do what you will with that. <laughs> I love a theme. A few months into their relationship, Jennifer found out she was pregnant. So on September 1st, 1996, Bart and Jennifer got married. In March 1997, their first son, Dalton, was born. Bart had his own dental practice, so Jennifer mostly stayed at home with the kids, and she loved it. She loved being a mom. She did eventually get a job as a part-time preschool teacher, but, you know, that was later. The following year, in 1998, she found out she was pregnant again, and they decided they needed more space, so they picked up and moved from Lawrenceville, Georgia, to Buford, Georgia, just outside of Atlanta, as we already said. In January 1999, their second son, Dylan, was born. For having a short courtship and unexpectedly being thrown into parenthood, they really figured it out. They had a great yeah. life, two kids, a big new house, a houseboat on Lake Lanier, ton wow. of friends. They had a great social life, all of it. They are like, we figured it out. Yeah. They became really close to their neighbors, Kelly and Steve Como. Kelly and Steve's daughter and one of the sons had the same birthday exactly. So the entire family hung out. I don't know which son it was, but best friends. Yeah. Kelly and Steve even named the Corbins as guardians over their daughter in, in case something happened to them. Oh, wow. As the kids got older and started doing activities, people saw a different side to Bart. He coached the kids' baseball team and had a very short temper he often called them idiots and crybabies, like Relax. Little League Baseball chill. And then, and then I was reminded that dad called Lauren a bimbo when we were little. <laughs> was that over sports? No, just in actually, general? in general, I thought it was over sports. I thought it was over gymnastics, but it was, I asked on the, 
on like bimbo suit gymnastics like that no what's the context like, in my mind she messed up during a meet <laughs> and he got her a bimbo, no which, dad's <laughs> not that emotionally invested into our sports come on that's what i was thinking it's so out of character but then I confirmed on the family text, you must have been a newborn haze. Mm -hmm. But I randomly asked, because when I was typing this, I was laughing so hard. <laughs> and I randomly asked what the context was. And Tarver and Lauren said, they're pretty sure she dropped her milk or something. And he oh, said, God, what dad must have said to me every time I threw my milk across the room. <laughs> we were wondering if he said, wanted to say bitch. And... <laughs> And switch to bimbo to be a little bit more gentle. <laughs> I don't know. Both are out of out of character for our Handle dad, with but... kid gloves. Call her a bimbo. <laughs> Call her a whore, not a bitch. <laughs> Probably up to his eyeballs and spilled milk. Rebecca used to throw her milk across the room if our older sister burped. Throw it across. <laughs> I do the same thing with my newborn. throw that baby across the room and when he burps yeah it's disgusting <laughs> i'm kidding oh my God. it's so terrible <laughs> but i do want to um a hot-headed little league coach needs to just be banned you're come on you're crazy you're insane. chill that's crazy how old are the kids i didn't say the exact year but by the time the story ends they're seven and five so <laughs> they're young we're talking yeah. little league, Young little baby league, stupid and whatever. Yeah. So around 2003, early 2004, Bart and Jennifer's marriage starts crumbling. Bart was having an affair with his married dental hygienist. And it sounds like it had been going on for a while. One source said throughout their entire eight year marriage, he was having an affair. I also read that this was not the only affair. So I think he was just cheating on her the entire time. Also around this time, Jennifer started playing an online game called EverQuest. It's some fantasy game that involves role playing. I don't know, not my thing. Mm -hmm. I know it's not your thing, but it sounds like she kind of became obsessed with it. She played it for hours a day. The Crime Wire called it a midlife crisis. She started missing family events so she could stay home and play it. Like they had a, a weekly Sunday, they would go watch football every Sunday at, I think, her in-laws bart's parents house and she just like started missing that oh, <laughs> so man. she could stay home and play it the amount of time she spent playing it was a huge source of arguments between her and bart sure what bart didn't know is that she met another gamer on everquest named chris hearn and the two sparked up their own romance saw that coming yeah i bet chris and jennifer emailed each other love letters some were pretty sexually explicit as i understand they talked about a future together so while their this affair wasn't physical he lived in missouri it was definitely an emotional affair so affairs are going on both sides yeah also leading up to this are unexplained property transfers between jennifer and bart over the span of two years there have been several ownership transfers between them of the house and the houseboat on lake lanier the reason has never been explained, but I think probably it's them separating or preparing for divorce and then changing their minds. It's weird. Yeah, that is Sw weird. Switches ownership a lot. But finally, in October 2004, during one of their arguments, Jennifer said she wanted, she wanted a divorce and she'd move out. When the dust settled and everyone cooled down, they decided that Bart would actually move out so Jennifer and the kids could keep the house. But none of this would happen until after the holidays. 
Bart begged, just have one more holiday together oh. for the kids. And it was October. So Jennifer was like, sure. All that I, I'm here for. Yeah. She gets the house, keep the kids it's, as normal as, situation as possible. For sure. By this point, she was in love with Chris, the EverQuest dude. They had been talking for months. They shared their most intimate secrets. They were in it. So in October is when Jennifer asked for a divorce. In November, EverQuest Chris admitted that his name was actually Anita Hearn. Oh she my was, God. She was a married woman and mom who, who did actually live in Missouri. The Missouri part was true. Oh, well, thank God. Uh, I was actually just thinking that. I mean, like, how can you be in love with them? For all you know, it's a 80 year old woman. Well, oh my it's God. A, it's a woman, but not 80 year old. Mm -hmm. Jennifer was devastated, but ultimately decided that she was in love no matter who it was with. So Anita and Jennifer carried on with their relationship and they planned to meet so they can consummate their new relationship. <sighs> Bart had been suspecting that Jennifer was having an affair for months. He often searched through her things to find some sort of proof. If anyone knows the signs of cheating, it's him. Mm -hmm. He majored in it. Right. With a minor and calling kids little bitches <laughs> or, or whatever he wanted to do. Yeah. Things really came to blows on Thanksgiving 2004. That day, they went to Jennifer's sister Heather's house for Thanksgiving dinner. Heather and her husband Doug also had kids. So all the cousins are playing. They're having so much fun. They're like obsessed with each other. But Bart is in a mood. So at 6 p.m., he abruptly says that they need to go home. And even though Jennifer and the kids did not want to, she could tell he was pissed. So she was like, fine. On the way home, they stopped at a grocery store and Jennifer ran in while Bart and the kids stayed, stayed in the car. While she was in there, he started searching the car again, looking for proof of an affair. Unfortunately, he finds a poem that Anita emailed to Jennifer and she had printed out. I, th I think it was still from Chris. Where do you email. get off, Bart? You're having an affair left and right too. So like, I know. When she gets back to the car, Bart confronts her. He's furious. Mind you, the two boys are in the back. At this point, they're seven and five years old. Oh no. She starts driving, like ignoring the situation, probably trying to avoid the kids yeah. seeing all this. Right. But that enrages him even more and he punches her in the face oh. while she's driving. Oh God. At this point, the poor boys are freaking out. Oh. The article I, I read said that Dalton, the older one, becomes hysterical. Oh. God, you're really messing with my hormones, okay? I know. I can't. When they finally get home, Bart jumps out of the car and gets in his car and drives off. He ends up going to his younger brother Bobby's house to stay there, which I think he did a lot when they fought. Jennifer takes the kids inside and calls her dad, but then decides to go back over to her sister's house and they stay there until they can figure out what to do. The following Monday on November 29th, 2004, Bart filed for divorce requesting the house full custody of the children and child support what of a, a part-time preschool teacher <gasps> she's like you want 30 cents a month what do you i don't know what you want me to do and you are you're a dentist with your own practice well, i mean obviously he's just being spiteful right a petty little prick oh remember when i said i like everything they're doing she gets the house because she's keeping the kids no i do remember that yeah yeah, yeah. so what you said <laughs> Takes these backseats. <laughs> no, takes these backseats. Yeah, that's really screwed up. Yeah. Two days later, on December first, Jennifer and the kids were back at their house while Jennifer looked for a new place to live. That morning, she walked into their bedroom and saw everything from her purse dumped out on the floor. 
her new cell phone, a credit card, and some personal papers. I don't know if there were more emails. They were all missing. Bart was in the shower, so she went in the bathroom and started screaming at him about going through her stuff and taking her stuff. As they're fighting, Bart gets out of the shower, grabs a towel, and storms out of the house wearing only a towel. Jennifer, by this point, has called 911 to report the theft. Oh, wow. And it follows him to his car. He gets in, throws it in reverse, and the 911 operator hears Jennifer saying, no, 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 no. <gasps> he runs over her foot. Oh, okay. It's not. Yeah, right. it does sound like. I, I, I see where you thought that was going, but he runs over her foot. Okay. The police got there, but she ended up not pressing charges, so there's no arrest. After this, though, Jennifer and Bart decided, they had a talk, they decided things were way out of hand. They needed to keep the peace for the boys, and they could finalize their divorce. Personally, I think the train has already left the station in terms right. of psychological damage, but better late than never. I guess, but my God, you punch their mom in the face in front of them. In front <laughs> of them in a car. They can't run away. They're just oh. like closing their eyes, I guess. Oh. oh, stop it. Okay, sorry. My heartstrings. At 7.30 a.m. on December 4th, 2004, Dalton, who's seven, as I mentioned, went into his parents' room to ask for breakfast. He found his mother dead and bleeding with a revolver by her side. Obviously horrified, he tried to call 911, but their phone wasn't working, so he ran next door to Kelly and Steve's house to get help. When they opened the door, sweet little Dalton was standing there in his pajamas, sobbing, saying, call 911, daddy shot mommy. Oh, my God. Note, Bart did not spend the night there that night. Dalton never saw Bart. They never even heard anything. Both the kids were asleep and they stayed asleep. He He just just assumed. He immediately assumed, which is telling of how bad that household was. Right. Oh, God. Steve called 911 and Kelly ran back to the house with Dalton, walked into the bedroom and found Jennifer lying diagonally on the bed. There was a gun next to her and the divorce papers were scattered all around her on the bed. She was cold to the touch. She was 33 years old. Oh, man. The cops get there and immediately they think suicide, but just a little knowledge for you. All sudden and or unattended deaths are first worked as a homicide, then a possible suicide, third is accidental, and only once are all, if all of those are ruled out, then it's worked as a natural occurrence. So again, they do think it's suicide, but it has to be worked with as a homicide first. The gunshot wound is in a weird place. It's toward the back of her head, right behind her ear which seems like not a place you would shoot yourself. Right. And so your boys could find you. She seemed like the more level-headed parent. Mm, um, well, and that's very, in my research I found, and I think we may have talked about this before. If a woman is going to die by suicide, they're a lot more considerate of the aftermath. Who's yeah. going to find me? Who's going to have to clean this up? Who's going to, like all of that. Mm-hmm. The very last scenario you want is, your kids to find you you know your husband's not there right so that it's just very unlike uh women tend to like go to a hotel or something yeah go outside the home Mm -hmm. um you know do it in a way that you know kids won't find them anyway steve and kelly didn't know where bart was but they did find his mom's phone number so they called her to tell her what happened she called bobby who was with bart because he stayed with bart i mean with bobby all right Bobby told police that Bart was so upset by the news that he threw up. As word spread, Jennifer's parents rushed over to the house, as did her sister and brother-in-law, Heather and Doug. Everyone is worried about the kids, obviously. So Doug called Bobby to make sure that Bart was on his way, but he didn't answer. Investigators are at the scene as Jennifer's family shows up. 
and they're like, where the hell is the widower? His seven and five year old are here yeah. after finding their mother dead. And their one parent isn't hauling ass over there to see if he, they're okay. Right. It's weird. Yeah. They were calling him over and over, nothing. He never came over. He ended up calling them back eight hours later. No, absolutely not, Bart. You're a shitty dad, stating the obvious on that. But... By then, he had lawyered up and told police he'd come down there so they could test his hands for gunpowder residue, but told him he would not be answering any questions, not even about securing the house. What? Why? Yeah. Why? What are you talking about? Yeah, I know y'all y'all saw this coming from a mile away, but don't worry, there's something you don't know. A twist, if you will. A twist, if you will. For someone who wanted to make it look like he was not at fault, he's doing a terrible <laughs> job. Right. Meanwhile, the boys are at Kelly and Steve's house. The detectives get them some clothes. They're waiting for extended family to get there because they're only immediate family members, a piece of shit. Poor boys. Right. Yeah. Bart eventually presents an alibi. He had left their house at 10 p.m. on December 3rd to go get drinks and a late dinner with friends and then went back to his brother Bobby's house to spend the night. A bar receipt shows that he had six or seven beers at some pub before closing out his tab late. I think it was around 1 a.m. Then he drove to his brother's house, which was about 20 minutes away. The investigation found out that Jennifer was on the phone until about 12.30 a.m. Then she sent an email at 1.40 a.m. Oh. So she was killed sometime after that. When Bart presented this alibi, he didn't know that around 1.30 a.m. the morning Jennifer was killed, his good friend and neighbor Steve was outside ripping a cig and saw Bart pull up to the house around 1.45. Bart left the car running, ran inside, then came back out just after 2 a.m. Apparently, Steve thought to himself when he saw this, I hope he didn't do anything stupid as he went back to bed. Yeesh. Yeesh. In addition to this, even though Bart thought he had a solid alibi, people closest to he and Jennifer, including the kids, were saying that Bart did it. As I said before, off the jump, Dalton was like, no, dad did this. Yeah. I think he t he told pe people at school that. Ooh. This little kid. Yeah. Doesn't know what damage he's doing to an investigation. <laughs> nah. Nah. When police were talking to him initially after he found uh, Jennifer, they asked him why his phone didn't work when he tried to call 911. He was like, I don't know, maybe dad cut the phone lines. Like he's in Whoa. it. Isn't that scary? Yeah, that's And sad. to think if that's true. I don't know if that's true, but your kids are home by themselves now. Come on. Anyway, Jennifer's sister, Heather, was also adamant Bart did it. When she got the call about Jennifer, she also called 911. I don't know why. I don't know if she was unaware that the neighbor had already called. But before she even got to the house, she called 911. She was just, I'm sure, uh, in shock. Yeah. And she told the dispatcher that Bart killed Jennifer. She wasn't even there yet, but she just knew. Obviously, she knew from Jennifer that Bart was just horrible, but she also had her own interactions that she didn't like. For example, once while Heather, Doug, Bart, and Jennifer were having coffee, they were talking about Scott Peterson because the trial was all over the news. Nice. And Heather said something about how awful Scott was, and Bart replied, he only got caught because he didn't keep his mouth shut. <laughs> she was like, and also you think he's bad for killing his wife and unborn son or... No, right. or just because he, what? She, that like really unsettled her. Yeah, it's a weird angle to have. <laughs> right. Okay. So to say that Bart is lacking character witnesses is an understatement. Everyone's like, no, God, he totally did this. Yeah. On December 22nd, 2004, Bart left work with his girlfriend, the one he's having an affair with. Mm -hmm. As they're pulling out, cops surround the car. 
Bar opens the door with both hands up. He puts up no struggle as they cuff him, and they say, you're under arrest for the 1990 murder of Dolly Hearn in Richmond County, Georgia. <gasps> Who is that? He was Wait. surprised too. Hold on, Hearn. What's that name from again? Anita wow, Hearn. You're listening. I'm no. listening. Anita Hearn. <gasps> Wait. I wish there was a connection, but there's not. But shut up. Really? I was so, about to say, that's going to be some weird ass shit. Okay. Well, actually, yeah. I get there, but it is a weird coincidence. Anita Hearn and Dolly Hearn are not related, but that was one of the reasons he lost his shit when he found the email in the car is because <gasps> she he thought she was digging into his past and figuring some st stuff out. So he it was just another straw that broke the camel's back. Aside from the affair, he was like, why are you talking to anyone with the last name Hearn? Oh, my God. God, that is wild. Yeah, but okay. Here's what the arrest is for. Story within a story. While studying dentistry at the Medical College of Georgia in Augusta, Bart was known for having a very short fuse. Other students said this is ridiculous. Oh my God. Other students said that he was unpredictable. Anything could set him off. One of them said that he once threw his class project against a wall, shattering it. Like what? <laughs> What a brat. Pick that up. Yeah, come on. What? I hope it wasn't a group project. <laughs> oh, God. Hothead. I mean, if it wasn't telling enough that he yelled at kids, whatever. Also while at school, he met a girl named Dolly Hearn. Dolly was from Washington, Georgia. She was also in dentistry school and was a year younger than Bart. Apparently, she also loved SNL and Steve Martin. So I'm just going to go on a limb and say she was funny. Yeah, she was. Come on. Yeah, that's great. Dolly and Bart dated for about two years, and when she broke up with him, he did not take it well. And then nine months after the breakup, weird things started happening to her that she obviously suspected Bart was responsible for. She came home, the first time something happened, she came home and one of her windows was open, even though she knew for a fact she closed it and some of her stuff was missing. I don't know what was missing. A few days later, her car was vandalized. She filed a police report in November 1989 and told them that she thought it was Bart, but she couldn't prove it, so they really couldn't do much. So yeah. the harassment continued. Mm -hmm. She left class one day and her tires were deflated. She had business cards made and someone took them out of her mailbox. A pink su substance was poured into her gas tank. I don't know what it was, but Ooh. that's not good. Yeah, that's dangerous. She went home for Christmas break in 1989 and told her family about everything that was going on and how she was spooked. So her dad gave her a 38 revolver for her protection, taught her how to use it. And then he drove, even drove to Augusta and had a little chat with Bart. <gasps> I don't know the details of the chat Dolly's dad had with Bart, but I'm in my mind, it's one sided. And Bart's only contribution was Al stop. <laughs> that hurts. Probably. Please stop. The chat didn't help, though, because when she got back to Augusta in January 1990, the harassment kept going, and now he was trying to sabotage her work and school. Two of her patients' schedules from work went missing, and $1,500 worth of dental tools were stolen, as were a set of dentures that she needed for a class project. Oh, my God. What a baby. <laughs> Give me a break. Come on. Dolly was over it, so she went to the dean of the school, but he couldn't do anything unless she had proof. But apparently was very empathetic, like wanted to, but she, he was like, I can't do yeah. anything. You got to prove it. In February 1990, Dolly started dating someone else. And as you can imagine, Bart did not handle it well. No. Apparently he like, he went to her apartment, started banging on the door when he thought the guy was in there. It was weird. He told another friend after this that he was su suicidal over it. 
In the spring of 1990, she came to class with bloodshot eyes, and her friend Travis was like, what's going on with your eyes? And she, you, you frowned. It's not because she's been crying. She said something was wrong with her contact solution. I guess she brought it with her and was like, help me investigate this. They determined someone had poured hairspray in it. Ow! Isn't that so bad? Ow. God. And petty. Like, God. Okay. Yeah. Right after that, her cat Tabitha went missing, and this was the final straw. Travis, the same friend who helped her with the contact solution, called Bart and said, even though we can't prove it was you, if you don't return this cat, we'll, we'll both hate you forever. And 10 minutes later, Tabitha was left on her doorstep. Oh, wow. I don't think Bart's going to really care if Travis hates him. <laughs> but I know, but it worked. about Dolly. It worked. Yeah. At this point, she's carrying around the gun that her dad gave her everywhere she goes. She's mm -hmm. really scared. Yeah. On July 6, 1990, Dolly's roommate, Angela, walked into the apartment and found Dolly on the couch with blood all over her and the 38 revolver in her lap. She was dead of an apparent self-inflicted gunshot wound. There was no sign of forced entry. All of the doors and windows had been locked from the inside. So police ruled it a suicide pretty much immediately. Yeah. Her parents insisted she would never do that and told them to look into Bart, told them everything about all the weird stuff happening. Bart was questioned, but there was really no investigation. They were pretty set that the pressure of school got to her and she committed suicide. Oh, her poor dad must have felt like shit giving um, her. Yeah. Whether yeah. she used it on herself or someone else used it on her, I'd just be like, oh my God, I gave her that gun. Yeah, but he probably would have found something. Oh, I don't know. He being whoever murdered her, because clearly wasn't yeah. a suicide. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, over 14 years later, Bart's wife, Jennifer, has been found with an apparent self-inflicted gunshot wound. Mm -hmm. When someone who went to dental school with Bart and Dolly heard about Jennifer's death, she called detectives and was like, hi, sorry, this sounds way too similar yeah. to how his ex-girlfriend died and told them to look into it. Mm -hmm. The detectives contacted Augusta authorities and when they compared case notes, there were way too many similarities. There was no fourth century, no suicide note, although it could be argued that with Jennifer, the divorce papers could have been a form of a suicide note. Yeah. But both women were trying to get out of a relationship with Bart. Mm -hmm. um, it's just eerily similar. Jennifer, by the way, had no gunshot gunpowder residue on her hands. Oh. That wasn't mentioned with Dolly, but I don't know if that was available in 1990. That would... Then that's that for the suicide I, thing theory. Give me right a break. There. Give me a break. That's all you need. No one's going to wear gloves to commit suicide. Right. So, and how and she was not wearing gloves. Yeah, she wasn't wearing gloves. Yeah. Okay. Well, there goes that. So they reopened Dolly's case and had enough to arrest him pretty quickly, even before Jennifer's case. So that's why when they surrounded him, it was Richmond County arresting him, not Gwinnett County. Mm-hmm. One hiccup they were having was they knew where he got the murder weapon for Dolly. Easy. Her dad gave it to her for protection. Mm -hmm. They did not know where he got the gun to kill Jennifer. He had no gun registered to him. <sighs> Means eventually, nothing here. I know, but eventually they traced it back to one of his old friends in Troy, Alabama named Richard Wilson. Investigators interviewed Richard and he told them that Bart drove to Troy a day or two before Jennifer died and told him that she had been having an affair and he was scared that his life was in danger. So Richard gave him the gun for protection. Then an attorney whose office was next to Bart's dental practice came forward and said, told detectives that occasionally he and Bart traded dental work for legal advice. And such hmm. was the case on December 3rd, the day before Jennifer's murder. He said Bart was acting very strange and sad note. Their, their offices were next door. 
the attorney said that he often heard Bart screaming at the staff. (laughs) This guy's a lunatic. Yeah. Anyway. So he said, yeah, Bart was acting very strange and nervously asked him who would be legally responsible for paying the mortgage of their house if he and Jennifer got divorced. The attorney told him it would be the one who could most afford to pay it, which would obviously be Bart. And Bart responded by saying, everyone told me not to marry her. I should have listened, but it'll all be over soon. And the attorney thought he was just talking about the divorce. Yeah. But then the next day when she was dead, he was like, huh. Yeah. On January 5th, he was finally charged with one count of malice murder, one count of felony murder, one count of possession of a firearm during commission of a felony in Jennifer's case. Mm-hmm. On September 15th, 2006, in order to avoid the death penalty, Bart pleaded guilty to both Dolly and Jennifer's murder, admitting that he killed both of them and tried to stage it as a suicide. He was sentenced to two life sentences with the possibility of parole after 14 years, which would have been 2020, but there's no parole hearing on record. And at the time of his sentencing, the prosecutor said based on the parole board's record, it would be much more likely that he'd be up for parole after 28 years, if at all. So currently he is still in jail, status active in the Georgia State Prison. Jennifer's sister and brother-in-law, Heather and Doug, adopted the boys. So okay. they got to grow up with their cousins and they, who they loved. I stalked them both a little bit and they both seem to be doing great. Oh, good. Is that creepy? I just had to make sure they're okay. Oh, I don't know. Shut is that up. bad? I don't know. It's they, probably they, everyone's a little temptation to do that. I know. Well, I, I won't say their last name, so. Who, Dalton and? Yeah, they changed their last name. Oh, sorry. Yeah. But so I just had to know they're okay. Well, I'm glad they're doing well. Dolly Hearn's parents started a scholarship at MCG called the Dr. Dolly Hearn Scholarship, which is award, awarded annually to a dental student. Oh. Sadly, both Kelly and Steve, the neighbors, died in 2010, both of them. At oh. age 47 and 50 years old, Steve died in January 2010. I don't know how. Kelly died in August 2010 of cancer. Oh, my God. And remember, the Corbins were listed as who would yeah. take care of take custody of their daughter should something happen. So that would have been the case. She would have only been 13 or so years old. So what happened? I don't oh know. Oh my God. As I found their obituaries, they both, I think, I can't remember if Steve did, but Kelly had a bunch of siblings. So I'm hoping one of them ended, I don't know. Yeah. Oh my God. She seems to be doing okay too though. God, you really, really did some stalking there. I'm sorry. I have to no. make sure these babies are okay. Oh, I know. I hear ya. That's the story of Bart and Jennifer Corbin and Dolly Hearn. Poor Dolly. God. Poor Jennifer. Poor everyone, except for Bart. Your MO didn't change in those 14 14 years. The murders were 14 years apart. Of course, someone's going to find that suspicious. Come on, Bart. I mean, he thought his. Oh, I guess if he got away with it the first time, he's like, I'll do it again. But yeah. Wow. What a monster. You know? Yeah. Good one. I'm excited for mine next week. Uh, Y'all, thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your mailman, tell your doctor, tell your teacher, your kids' teachers, tell your kids, tell your kids' friends, tell the dog, tell the neighbors. You are the best. People are the worst. Bye. Bye.